You're listening to Napa Valley College Now on NapaBroadcasting.com. Thanks for joining us here at NapaBroadcasting.com. We are reminded over and over again that California is the world's fifth largest economy, the place where the future has always happened first. As such, it presents us Californians with a unique set of challenges to the state's business and political leaders, its workforce, and underlying all of it to its educational system that has the primary responsibility for preparing and educating that workforce, not just for today, but for the future. At the core of that responsibility lies the state's community college system. 72 districts, 114 campuses, the largest such system in the country. The irony is that this huge system must be, by its very mission, even more than its UC or Cal State sisters, responsive to the disruptive changes in the economy. How then does this huge state system, millions of students, stay nimble and economically resourceful enough to stay at the cutting edge of the state's future? The answer lies in both decentralization of process and close proximity and proprietary ties to the communities they serve. Public-private partnerships, and most of all, being brave enough to be able to rapidly embrace and institute changes, even in the face of the powerful forces of the status quo. None of this is easy, and currently the responsibility for it falls on the chancellor of the California Community College System, Eloy Ortiz Oakley. He himself is the product of the community college system, and prior to becoming chancellor, he was the president and superintendent of Long Beach City College. It is my pleasure to welcome Chancellor Eloy Ortiz Oakley back to Napa Broadcasting. Chancellor, thanks so much for joining us. It's wonderful to be with you again. It's great to have you here. One of the things that we talked about last time a little bit is the visions for success that were part of the the current mission of the community college system. Talk a little bit about how that's evolving, where that stands today as you see it. Well, the vision for success has created um, a goalpost. For, for our system and, and a set of organizing goals and, and principles, which we've uh, used as an anchor as we look at policy changes, policy reforms, new funding, uh, to ensure that um, not only are we helping our 114 colleges respond, respond to the needs of their communities, but that we're also clearly focused on the needs of the state, um, not only for today, but um, uh, over the next several years as the workforce continues to, to evolve. So uh, we have uh, implemented uh, several um, either changes or new um, incentive programs that align with the vision for success. And we're happy to say that uh, uh, after this last um, budget cycle, um, the California community colleges have the highest per student funding than they've ever had in their history. So Uh, Things are going well. The vision for success has given us a a rallying point and really also a point to base our discussions and debates around. And we're certainly having those debates internally, and I think they're healthy debates, but uh, nonetheless, they give us something to focus on, talk about, and align ourselves around. You talked about funding. Certainly one of the debates that's going on now is about the funding formula for the community colleges. Talk a little bit about that, what what the issues are and, and how you see it. Yes. So in this last uh, uh, budget cycle, um, the uh, governor approved a budget bill that uh, created a new funding um, structure for the California community colleges in uh, years past. 
uh, funding for our colleges has been primarily based on the number of students enrolled. So it has been purely a funding formula that rewarded access uh, and did very little to incentivize, reward, or support the various um, interventions that need to happen to ensure that our students uh, get to an educational goal. So our colleges, our system in general, um, over the last 10 years or so, is people have been critical about our uh, what we call our completion rates. And although that's certainly not the only reason that, that students come to community college to complete a credential, but that is an important um, milestone in terms of the state's investment in our colleges. So this new funding formula basically creates a, a three-pronged structure. It provides uh, support for colleges to continue to increase enrollment, and so the funding will be 60% um, of our funding will be based on that outcome. But then there's another two elements to it. One, 20% uh, of the funding will go to support um, and incentivize colleges in low-income communities to reach out to their community to enroll students who are not well represented in our colleges. And, you know, these are typically low-income first-generation students, students of color, uh, who we need to ensure get a college credential so that our workforce remains healthy. So there's an incentive built into the funded formula. And then a third incentive, which is uh, an incentive that actually provides a support and a reward structure for colleges that get these students to an educational outcome, whether that be a career certificate, whether that be to transfer for, to a four-year university, or just to get a student into a livable wage paying job. So we think this uh, structure better aligns with the vision for success. It has, because it is such a dramatic change from the previous structure, it has certainly created a lot of debate and discussion. But I think by and large, the system is um, uh, coming to accept the new funding formula. And at this point, really working to better understand it, really working to help help the colleges understand how they're going to implement it and how this is going to support increasing the success of our students. What are the metrics that are being used to really understand student success? Obviously, as you say, transfer rates and also certificates. What other metrics are being used? So we recognize that um, students come to community colleges for uh, a number of different types of, of um, goals and outcomes. Um, unlike our uh, students who attend the CSU and you see, I mean, in those situations, it's clear what they're there for. They're there to obtain a four-year degree. In community colleges, you have students who are attending who just want to gain some, uh, get some classes to help them promote up in their job. You have students who want a career certificate. You have students who want to transfer to a four-year university. Uh, so there are a myriad of different outcomes that students seek. And for us in the state chancellor's office, we want to reward colleges that support outcomes that lead to better communities, that lead to increased economic mobility. Um, you know, our colleges serve, you know, some of the most um, challenging populations and some of the most, uh, you know, well prepared population. So we, we want to ensure that there are rewards for every type of outcome. So the metrics that are in, embedded in the new funding formula include achieving nine units of a uh, career pathway. So students who are 
just focused on getting uh, perhaps wanting to become a welder, taking enough classes that allow them to move into that field. There's a reward for um, achieving um, a transfer to a four-year university. Uh, that still remains a very important outcome for the community colleges. There is a reward structure for uh, getting a student to complete transfer-level math and English in his or her first year of attendance. This is a very important metric that relates to successful outcomes for students across the board, regardless of what they're pursuing. So, and uh, data suggests that uh, these two metrics are some of the greatest predictors about whether or not a student is going to complete their educational outcome. So we want to reward colleges that are helping students get to that milestone. And then um, there's also a metric that rewards a college for helping a student get into a livable wage paying job after they complete their studies in a community college. So we recognize that one of the important aspects of community colleges is providing a skilled workforce for our community and for a region. We want to ensure that our colleges are preparing students for jobs that pay a livable wage. We think this is hugely important to the types of students that we serve. And so we want to ensure that we're aligning with the workforce demand. So that's an example of some of the major metrics and milestones that are in the funding formula. And talk about the ways that this needs to be conveyed to students and parents alike in ways that will allow them to adjust their focus accordingly. So first, we want to ensure that parents and students understand that what we're trying to do, uh, what we will do, is create a system that is uh, much more easy to navigate. So, you know, we are creating... Uh, opportunities that have clarity in terms of how you get from point A to point B, regardless of where you start in our community colleges. We're also providing parents and students information about the types of salaries that they could earn if they go into certain career fields. So we have a tool on our website called the Salary Surfer. If you just go to our website, cccco.edu, scroll down, you click on the Salary Surfer website, um, Parents and students can get information about the kinds of salaries that are being paid in their region if, for example, they want to be um, get into advanced manufacturing or they want to become um, a registered nurse. Uh, so we want to provide students and parents a lot more information and make the process much more transparent. And then finally, I think it's important for parents and students to know that uh, they are going to receive a lot more intensive and intrusive um, interventions. So we want to make sure that students are getting nudged along, getting information that allows them to take as many courses as they can and that those courses clearly align to their goals. So they're going to be getting a lot of questions, a lot of nudges, and a lot more um, uh, intrusive intervention to ensure that we uh, are giving students the information that they need and that we are um, intervening when we think that they are making decisions that are counter to the goals that they've set for themselves. Mm -hmm. One of the problems has been that, that you've talked about is students that were just accumulating credits really with, with no direction. Talk about the degree to which that's been a problem. Well, it is, uh, and it has been a problem, and this is true not just for the California Community Colleges, but for higher education in, in general. I think the lack of clarity, particularly 
for first-time students, first-generation students, or low-income students who don't have a network and a support structure that helps them understand how to navigate higher education. You know, for those of us who are fortunate enough to get through higher education, you know, we went through quite a number of hoops to get to the degrees that we've obtained. Um, that is a disadvantage to students uh, who are the first in their family to get through college. So what has happened in the past is along the way, trying to navigate our systems, students accumulate credits that don't um, really give them any opportunity to get to their educational goal as, as timely as possible. Certainly, by no means do I want to ever come across as saying that a class in any one of our colleges or universities isn't valuable to a student, but students should be making choices to take additional classes for their uh, enjoyment or their development, not being forced to take additional units because they can't figure out how to navigate uh, a course schedule. So in our system, we have a goal to um, reduce the average number of credits that students accumulate to get it uh, closer to the number of units that typically are needed for transfer. If students want to take additional courses, we are certainly not going to prevent them from doing that, from exploring, from learning a language perhaps, but it shouldn't be the default that students wind up accumulating these units um, that don't uh, give them credit toward their educational goals. So that is certainly an element that uh, we are keenly focused on right now through a number of initiatives and reform efforts. Um, and it's important for us as well to uh, increase the affordability for students because the students are accumulating credits. That means that they are borrowing more money to stay in school. They are paying more in tuition. They're paying more in housing and they are losing time that they could be earning um, a livable wage in the workforce. So these are all considerations that, uh, that we are looking at and working hard to reduce those number of units that students uh, wind up accumulating. One of the interesting experiments that's going on is the use of technology for advising students in some of these regards. Talk about that. Yes, there is um, a lot of work being done in this area across the country, and we're learning a lot from um, universities, uh, public and private uh, institutions that are leveraging uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence to give students more information about the choices that they're making, give them easier access to uh, information about how to get to their educational goal. Certainly, we, uh, all of us in our system agree that nothing replaces a human being interacting with a student, a counselor, an advisor, connecting with and interacting with the student. But we also recognize that there is no way that we can provide enough contact hours between uh, our counselors, our advisors, and students. So we want to augment and increase the capacity of our advisors and counselors. So um, there's a number of technologies that um, are either being used in the community colleges now or that we are experimenting with, looking at, that do everything from uh, give students on their mobile device information about the courses that they need to be taking. Uh, and as they make choices, uh, the, um, the application, the, the mobile app can tell them 
what is the consequence of the choices that they're making based on the educational goal that they've said that they want to pursue. Um, there's also a lot of information now. The uh, California College Guidance Initiative has a, a website um, uh, that gives students from high school all the way through community college, CSU and UC, clear information about what courses they need to take uh, in order to accomplish their educational goal and more specifically, how does the courses that they take in high school impact those choices? Uh, so we certainly believe that the more information students have, the more clear guidance that they have, the better choices that they're going to make. And then the other thing that I'll mention is that much like a lot of the uh, ways that banks or other institutions use technology to uh, inform consumers about things that are going on. We want to use that same kind of technology to inform students. So if a student is missing from a class or there's a test coming up, we can use the same technology to nudge that student, to give them information about what's coming up, to remind them that there's a test coming up, to remind them that they've missed the last two classes and to contact their faculty members. So we see this as another tool uh, in uh, uh, you know the toolbox that, w that we're trying to build to ensure that we are reaching out to students on a continuous basis and helping them with the choices that they're making and reminding them of what's important uh, along the way. How does all of this relate to what you see as the growing nexus between K-12 and the community colleges? Well, in my opinion, and I think um, a lot of um, folks in, in education across the country are leaning in the same direction, uh, we are quickly seeing that this um, imaginary line between high school, college, university um, are disappearing. We are really beginning to combine the experience uh, and this is primarily driven by the fact that um, the high school diploma is no longer a valuable um, tool in terms of getting into the workforce. You know, there was a, a time when the high school diploma was the default to get an entry-level job. Those days are gone. And so a post-secondary credential is required. So you see a lot of uh, K-12 systems, particularly high school systems, partnering with colleges and universities to offer college courses in high school, to align um, associate degree and career certificate courses between high school and community college, to dual or concurrently enroll these students so that they are in college and high school at the same time. And most recently, uh, with this last budget, uh, we have opened up an opportunity to introduce the, what's called the PTEC model into California. The PTEC model has been in existence beginning in New York, uh, sponsored by um, IBM, which creates an academy, a grade 9 through 14 academy. Uh, so there's no more line between high school and college. It is one academy focused on getting those students to an associate's degree in a technical field. Uh, so we're going to see a lot more of that going forward. And I think we're going to see a lot more of the blurring the lines between high school and college because it's no longer an either-or proposition. Students have to be college and career ready, uh, not college or career ready. 
college and career ready. And so that's going to force us to continue to blur the lines between uh, high school and college. One of the other lines that are getting blurred are between two-year and four-year colleges, and more and more of an effort being made to have community college be able to issue and do baccalaureate degrees. Talk about that, where that stands. Yes, that's a very similar uh, issue to what we just talked about. Mm -hmm. Um, There is uh, a lot of demand for higher-level credentials in the workforce today particularly in fields like uh, healthcare and information technology, there is huge demand for workers with at least uh, a baccalaureate degree. Um, our s- traditional systems of higher education in California, the community college, the CSU, the UC, currently don't have the capacity to meet that demand. So the question has arisen whether or not community colleges should help fill specific workforce demand where the CSU or the UC is not currently filling or does not have the capacity to fill it anytime soon. And so in the community college system, we have a pilot. Uh, um, A number of community colleges are offering uh, baccalaureate degrees in specific career fields, things like mortuary science or on equine uh, science. And so this is an area that's going to grow, particularly as healthcare continues to expand. Um, there's going to be a need for more and more workers with uh, workforce-related baccalaureate degrees. And we see the community colleges as filling that role very nicely, um, much like it's been done in other states. And we see it as a complement to what's going on in the CSU, so not in competition. So I'm hopeful that over the next few years, you will see an increase in the number of baccalaureate programs in the community colleges responding directly to the workforce demand. One of the other big changes that's taking place is a growing demand, really, for online education. And to this, you have talked about, with the governor's support, the 115th college as an online college. Talk about that. Yes, uh, the 115th college is a reality today. And, um, uh, the governor in his budget uh, uh, approval of legislature created the enabling legislation. The first meeting of the 115th college uh, was held recently. And so this college is specifically targeting adult learners uh, in the workplace. Adult learners that do not have a college credential, that have maybe a high school diploma, that are working, but they're working in industries that they are either going to be displaced because of automation or they are going to stagnate because all the new jobs that are being created in their industries require some sort of post-secondary credential. So we estimate that that there's at least 2.5 million students in this bucket between the ages of 25 to 34. These are prime working years. If you look beyond that age all the way up to age 60, there's over 8 million. So the online college is designed to target these individuals, to target them with um, uh, what we call micro-credentials, that is a skills-based credentialing system that allows them to gain skills, uh, but not have to go through an entire certificate or associate's degree course. Um, And so that's where this is beginning. We 
expect to enroll the first cohort of adult workers by the end of 2019, and I think we're well on our way to doing that. And is this 115th college competing in any way with the existing colleges? We do not see that there's any competition because currently um, our 114 colleges are not serving this level of credentialing. Our colleges are focused on career certificates, mm-hmm. associate degrees. Um, the online college will focus on sub-associate degree credentials, something that is, is relatively new in the country but growing exponentially, um, and that is what we call micro-credentialing. So uh, identifying skills that individuals need uh, and it will allow them the opportunity to have some more economic mobility, but allow the individual to stack these skills and eventually enter one of our 114 colleges for a higher level credential. Uh, so we see this as a complement to the 114 colleges. We see this as one more arrow in the quiver of the California Community College System to respond to the needs of the state and to do what we were designed to do, which is to be as flexible as possible, to be the most flexible public system of higher education in the state, and to respond to workforce demand. Mm -hmm. With respect to that workforce, talk a little bit about the importance of colleges association with the business community in their areas, and also public-private partnerships that have emerged, even something like uh, the Amazon Cloud Computing Certificate Program experiment in Los Angeles. I think the Amazon uh, experience is indicative of the great work that our colleges do in their regions. Um, Over the last um, 10 years, there's been a lot of work to create regional infrastructure for workforce development. Um, And so taking the LA region as an example, the colleges in the LA region have been working together along with Um, chambers of commerce like the LA Chamber, economic development institutions, as well as large and medium-sized employers in a region, particularly around healthcare, advanced manufacturing, and in LA entertainment area and the area of logistics. Uh, These are important uh, industries in the LA area. So because of that infrastructure, uh, Amazon was able to approach Uh, a number of colleges in the LA region to address a workforce demand that they uh, see happening. And of course, we all know that Amazon is growing by leaps and bounds and really recreating expectations in the workforce. So our colleges, because of this regional infrastructure, were able to respond uh, to the needs of Amazon and create this very important um, uh, private-public partnership. This is replicated in the Bay Area with other employers. This is being replicated with healthcare, the healthcare industry across the state. San Diego is another great example of a region that has really coalesced between community college, the CSU system, public and private um, uh, employers, and created a firm infrastructure. I think this is the value of our community colleges, and this is why we feel the work that we're doing is so important to the future of the state of California, uh, and in many ways creating the backbone infrastructure for the future of work in California. Chancellor Eli Ortiz Oakley, I thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Well, I really appreciate uh, your interest, and um, it was great talking with you. Thank you. 
NapaBroadcasting.com, the online radio home of Napa Valley College.